on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. Welcome in. It is Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for the next hour as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. Today we'll talk go a little bit around Major League Baseball as well. News is uh, a little light here at this time of the year, and that's okay. General Manager seemingly maybe taking a little bit of time away from the cell phone during the holidays, maybe spending a little bit of time with their families and friends and so forth. But I'm sure things are going to start to pick up again. There was a deal done on on Christmas Day. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head which one it was. But for the most part, things slowed down. It seems like once you get to about the 22nd, 23rd of December, all of a sudden things really slow down. And now we're at that point where you can kind of expect things to uh, start picking up again. And the Brewers still seemingly have some work to do on their roster for this upcoming season. And uh, when that work gets done and what that's going to look like, who knows? But that's what we will continue to talk about here on the program. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting into the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, the phone number. 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. That is a new number if you listen to uh, the station very much. Hopefully you've noticed we've tried to let you know in no uncertain terms that we have a new talk and text line, uh, 855-616-1620. But if perhaps you are somebody who uh, tunes in for brewer stuff and, and not a whole lot else, you can change numbers in your phone, 855-616-1620. Also, another request for you, and this is if you're somebody who has texted a lot before and whenever you have texted, we've known your name and the city that you're from and you because at some point in time you included it in a text and then you stopped including it, you can start including it again because we actually have to, we're going behind the curtain here for you. We have to reset everything on the tax line. So if we previously knew your name and your city, we don't know it anymore. And we like to be able to say who sent the text message. So as you send text messages, feel free to uh, sign them with who you are and where you're from. And that would be a good thing. Here's what's coming up on the program this week. We're going to spend a lot of the first half hour kind of looking at the roster as it sits right now and going position by position And just simply going comfortable, not comfortable. Not trying to give it a grade. Not trying to say, you know, this position area is going to really thrive. It's going to be great. These guys, ah, not not quite as good. Uh, This position, they still need to sign. It's just about the comfort level. If the Brewers were playing a baseball game tomorrow, uh, would you be comfortable with this position group the way it is right now? I am well aware that the roster as it sits right now is not what the roster is going to be come the day uh, catchers and pitchers report, pitchers and catchers report, that's what I'm trying to spit out, and certainly not what it's going to be on opening day as well. Uh, we'll throw that question out to you as well. You can uh, you can text or you can tweet at me uh, with what you're feeling in terms of comfort and not comfort at this point in time. So uh, feel free to text 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet at me at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T, 
P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Our focus here on the first half hour of the program, comfortable, not comfortable. So that's what we're going with. Are you comfortable with a certain position group, not comfortable with a uh, certain position group? And take that any way that you want to take it, and uh, we will certainly discuss that coming up here in uh, just a few minutes. Also, I want to get into something that happened in Major League Baseball with uh, Domingo Armand of the New York Yankees getting punished for domestic violence. And I don't maybe I'm wrong on this, maybe I'm too close to baseball because it's kind of the thing that I do all the time. Uh and I'm not saying that the other sports are, are don't have domestic violence issues. It just feels like uh that the the domestic violence issue exists more in baseball than it does in other sports. And I give baseball credit for the punishments that they are handing down for domestic violence offenses. I think it is uh I, I I think they're doing as good, if not better, than any major sport in that. And football has certainly had its issues and you know, football had the Ray Rice issue in the uh in the elevator at that casino, what was it, four, five, six years ago. It's been a while now that, that happened and that you know, when something's on video that's when it's the worst. That's that's the world we live in, the culture we live in, and it's it stinks. It really stinks. But there's nothing we can do about it. If it's just an accusation without any sort of visual evidence, we view it one way. If it is a if it's an, an accusation that has some type of video that goes along with it, then all of a sudden we look at it in a very 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 different way. You know, to to go back to Ray Rice, and I know this is a baseball show, but had that not been on video, even if the accusation was there and some sort of admission of guilt was there, Ray Rice would have played again in the NFL. But that video was incredibly damning, and it ended his career. This this thing with Domingo Armand, allegedly a member of the commissioner's office saw the altercation take place. So while there's not video for you and me to consume and to to judge him on, as they put together this punishment, they had somebody in the commissioner's office that saw with his or her eyes what had happened reportedly. So I want to get into that coming up uh, later on in the program as well. And uh, just what Major League Baseball is trying to do right now is they deal with another incident of uh, domestic violence because it does seem like there continues to be uh, these incidents uh, fairly often in baseball. And that's not good. That's not good. And it's look, maybe it's no different baseball from just the world overall, right? Like it's something that we need to get rid of and – it's 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 around and it's unfortunate and unfortunate isn't even the strong enough word to use uh, what I should describe on 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 what it is. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll go kind of fun in the first half hour with the uh, comfortable, not comfortable, and then we'll get a little bit serious coming up uh, in the second half hour when we look at Major League Baseball and the issue uh, with domestic violence. So that's all coming up on the program today. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so by uh, texting, calling on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet at me. Find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Comfortable, not comfortable. We'll do that next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Continuing on on a Thursday night as we do almost each and every Thursday, barring 
a Bucks game, which is a few more. They're good, so they play on Thursday nights. That's what happens Thursday night, one of the showcase nights in the NBA. We don't have a show when the NFL draft is going on. And outside of that, we come your way uh, just about each and every Thursday here on WTMJ. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, also tweeting in. In fact, uh, we're asking for a tweets more than calls here at this moment uh, as we're about to get into comfortable, not comfortable. We're not being incredibly creative with, this, uh, with the name of the segment. But what position groups are you comfortable with the way the roster sits right now with the Brewers, and what position group are you not comfortable? Barry, I, w- I want to bring you in on this a little bit to throw this off of you. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through, and for the most, here's how we're going to run through this. Uh, the, the groups that I'm going to put together, I'm going to say outfield as one unit. We're going to go with uh, all of the uh, separate individual positions uh, on the infield, and then we're going to go starting pitching and relief pitching. Are you good with the way I'm that I, uh, I categorize that? Totally fine with that. Okay. Uh, let's start with the outfield. I, I'll start and I'll tell you, I'm, of every area on this, uh, on this team, with maybe the exception of, of second base, I, this is the group that I am most comfortable with. Uh, you have Yelich, Kane, and Braun, and then you have Avisael Garcia and also Ben Gamble. To me, this is uh, this is the group that's got the most depth on this roster. If I was a another team in Major League Baseball, this would be the most comfortable group that I've seen in a long time. And yeah, plus you got Corey Ray, who's going to be invited to spring training too. He's got a lot of potential. This is definitely the most comfortable position that the Brewers have and definitely something that they're going to be relying on in 2020. Corey Ray, Tyrone Taylor got some time there at the end of the season as well, so he's somebody that they can go with. That group of five, though, and I listed Braun, Kane, Yelich. Let's let's be honest about it. Braun is not the everyday guy that he was previously uh, in his career, so with that, uh, maybe Garcia is going to get some more starts in left. Maybe they're going to put Yelich in left field uh, on days that Braun is out and Garcia is going to play in right field, whatever it, you know, whatever it looks like. Uh, they're... Those those four guys, I probably should have mentioned those four and then Ben Gamble after that, and that's not a shot at Ben Gamble. It's just the way the roster is put together. They didn't... They didn't acquire Garcia to be really a the, the you know the the standard fourth outfielder when you have three everyday sort of outfielders. He's going to be playing a lot, and that gives you some flexibility with Braun as well because you can put him at first base. So um, that's that's kind of where we'll go to next. And I've come a, I've kind of come around on this one. I'll be honest. When they signed Justin Smoke originally, it didn't do a lot for me. Um, and I, I looked at a guy and I felt like this was somebody who was maybe, maybe his career trajectory was going in the wrong direction. And I think, look, the, there's, there's numbers to back that up because if you just look at batting average and you look at his last three years, in 2017, he hit 270. In 2018, he hit 242 in 2019. He hit 208. That was a significant drop off. Now we talked about this a little bit last week, and this is where I've come around on it. Uh, first off, from from a projection standpoint, 
he's projected to do a little bit more than what Eric Thames would have done, and the Brewers were able to get him for about a million and a half less than what they were projected to pay out uh, to Thames. Not projected to pay out what they would have paid out if they would have picked up that option for the final year. So they get they get Thames-like production if the if the projections are correct. And the other thing I'd say, and, and this was a big thing that I mentioned last week, but it's worth repeating. This past year, he had one of the highest hard hit rates that he's ever had in his career, and he hit into horrible, horrible luck where there were fielders where he was hitting it. And if you want to look at a way to project a really good bounce-back candidate in baseball is go find somebody who's got a really high hard hit rate. So that's a, that's a, that's a number. That, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. That's a number that pretty much says how hard you're hitting it, and then go somebody find that same person who's got a low batting average on balls put in play. And that's a guy who's pretty good chance they're going to have a big bounce back, and that's exactly what Justin Smoke is. So, Barry, I am going to put first base as comfortable. So you're saying that Justin Smoke last year had a Ryan Braun of 2018. Absolutely. Okay. And Braun, he changed things up a little bit because he tried to use launch angle right. to bounce out of that, and we haven't heard anything about that with Justin Smoke. And maybe if the same thing happens to him at the start of this upcoming season, he's got to try to tweak that a little bit. But no, that's you're exactly right. That is a, a very good comparison. I'm still not comfortable with first base just because I think this move to Smoke is a lateral move. It's it's a sidestep move. It's he, him and Eric Thames. I see as kind of one and one A. You know, they they both have mediocre batting averages. They have nice power from the left hand side. They're decent fielders, but you know, you're paying a million and a half less, like you said, for Justin Smoke. I think, like I said, it's not an improvement. And we there were a little bit of there were a few hiccups at first base last year. I'm not as comfortable as you are. I'd like to see them kind of tweak first base a little bit, maybe bring in a backup, maybe even, you know, if nobody signs Eric Thames, maybe bring him in for the veterans minimum if they can and, and have him back up. But until then, I, I, I'm i not comfortable with Ryan Braun backing up at first base. I I just, I'm not. That's that's just an opinion of mine, but I, I it's not a position where I'm real comfortable. One other name to throw in there is Ryan Healy, who they signed True. as well. He's got minor league options, so he may not even start the season on the big league roster, but he's got a fair amount of big league time in Seattle. He's got good pop, so he's someone as well. Uh, second base. I'm, this, is, this, along with the outfield, is the group that I am most comfortable with. The only thing that worries me about Keston Hira uh, is a little bit of his defense and the idea that he could potentially the, – the possibility of injury with Hira – because of that elbow and the way it's kind of being held together and everything, you just you're always going to be worried that something bad is going to happen. But I'm stretching to find bad things. I am incredibly comfortable with second base. I would guess you're in the same boat. There. Yeah, I am. The biggest thing for me was can Keston stay healthy for an entire season or you know play 140 games, 150 games at second base. You also got uh, Luis Urias who may play a little bit of second base. Um, you know, depending on what happens with that third base shortstop position. But yeah, Keston Hira, with the way he swings the bat and the the year that he's coming off of, you have nothing but high hopes and, and comfortable, comfort, I guess, is comfortability? Comfortability? Yeah. Is that a comfortability? Word? But yeah, yeah there I'm, we go. I'm completely comfortable with second base. 
I put Luis Urias at shortstop, and that's why I didn't mention him at second base. And we should mention Eric Sogard at some point in this conversation because Nerd he's power. somebody he's he's back, and uh, you would. You would think that a lot of people remember his final year with the Brewers and where he really did not perform well. That's that's an anomaly. If you look at his career, you look what he did last year, you look at his uh, first uh, season with the Brewers, there's no reason not to believe that he's not going to put up better numbers. And, and he's going to be in the mix all over the infield as well, although not really that everyday guy. Shortstop is, uh, we still don't completely know what's going to happen at shortstop because both Orlando Arcia and Luis Urias is, are on this roster. I think I don't think they go acquire Urias unless they view him as the opening day, everyday shortstop. I don't know what that means for Orlando Arcia. If there's a if there is an opportunity and if they still make a trade, and I think they're going to make a trade at some point in this offseason, if there's a chance to make a move, it might make sense to include Arcia in some sort of trade. Uh, but I like Urias, and this is a guy who came up as a top prospect. He was blocked in San Diego, and if he gets the opportunity to play just about every day, I think that's going to work out well. And then if he doesn't, if it doesn't work out well with him, you've got Orlando Arcia. Uh, another name to uh, throw in there as well is uh, Ronnie Rodriguez, who they had claimed uh, off uh, waivers, I believe it was, from uh, from Detroit. So more so about just kind of the numbers and the options there, I- I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with shortstop. Yeah, I'm fairly comfortable with shortstop, too, for the same reasons you are. you got Urias, who may start, probably will, and if you do have Arcia backing him up, that's... Pretty solid defense, and Arcia, you know, has been known to be a very streaky hitter, so if you can catch him on a hot streak, if Urias is not having that good of a, a time at the plate, you never know. I, I'm comfortable, but I'm not as comfortable as I'd like to be. I'm a little bit more comfortable there than at first base, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm interested to see what, uh, what comes up with this next position. Yeah, we're going to talk about that coming up in uh, just a moment. We'll take a break, and we'll continue to do our comfortable, not comfortable, as we analyze the Brewers roster position by position. Again, if you want to get in on the conversation, you can uh, text in on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, or you can uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly does continue here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to join the program, you can call or text into the show. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. It is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. All right, we have been going position group by position group on the Brewers, and, and we know that the roster as it sits right now is going to not look like the roster as it sits when spring training gets rolling and when uh, opening day is here. But it's fun. It's fun to project what things uh, would look like, doing comfortable, not comfortable as we go around. I'm getting a little help from Barry. And so far, a lot of comfort with what's going on with the team. I think this next one is where you don't really know what it's going to look like, and there's still a lot of options out there. Third base, Barry, to me, the third baseman of the Brewers is not currently on the roster, and therefore I am not comfortable with the way things are sitting right now. I tend to agree with you there. I, For some reason, I don't know why Josh Donaldson just sticks in my head. 
And I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I kind of want it to. I want to see what happens. I, I think David Stearns pulls off some sort of bigger name at third base, and he makes us a lot more comfortable than we thought we were going to be once we lost Moustakis. But I, I don't know. If we weren't going to pay Moustakis what he wanted, it, does it really make sense to pay somebody like a Josh Donaldson what, what he wants? He wants a three- or four-year deal. He's looking upwards of you know 20 to $25 million a year. It's I, I don't think he's going to... I don't think he's going to pay that, but you never know. And you never know. He might. They might think, oh, let's try Orlando at third base, but with the limited range that he had last year, I don't know. We'll see. He's got a strong enough arm for it, that's for sure. Uh, Josh Donaldson has reportedly been offered a four-year deal by the Braves. Right, and that's uh, what I was referencing. Yeah, now the fact that he hasn't just automatically taken it means that the annual average value is not where he wants it to be. And that's always the thing that you're – you're weighing against each other. You know, for you get the longer term deal, generally you take a little bit less money per year with the idea that you've got more stability moving forward. And what the Brewers have been really good at here in the last couple seasons is finding those guys who don't have the multi year deals out there and they've offered them one year deals, paying them a, a very solid amount of money. You know, the, the amount of money that Yasmani Grandal made this past year was a good amount of money. The amount of money that Mike Moustakas made this past year, it was a good amount of money, but they always say there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, and just about any team can kind of, uh, if a one-year deal blows up in your face, it you can live with it. You can survive that, where if you've got a multi-year deal and it goes bad a couple, two, three years into the deal and you still got a lot of money attached to somebody, that's where it starts to impact you in, in a negative way. And kind of sidebar on this, so a lot of people, the, the social media rhetoric out there is that the Brewers have the money to spend on these big-name players. They had the money to spend on a Yasmani Grandal. They had the money to spend on a, on a Mike Moustakis, but they're being cheap by not doing so. And I agree with half of that. I think they do have the money. I think you look at how much money is being thrown around right now in Major League Baseball. You look at the revenue sharing. You look at all of that, and I would agree that the Brewers are in a position right now where they can they can spend more money than they are currently spending, and they still might. We'll see what it looks like uh, once they get into spring training, once they get to opening day, and also what happens over the course of the year if they maybe add any uh, payroll via, via trades or whatever. Here's here's where I don't totally agree with kind of that negative rhetoric and negative narrative uh, about the Brewers and them not spending money as it sits right now or not spending a ton of money. It's not that they can't afford it. It's that if you have one of those really big deals and it blows up in your face and you do not get the production that you were expecting from somebody that you're paying a large sum of money, that's where it gets tough for the Brewers. That's where it changes a little bit because the the difference between the Brewers and the Yankees, the difference between the Brewers and the Dodgers, the difference between the Brewers and the Cubs is not really the ability to spend money because I think all teams in baseball right now, again, with all the money that's coming in via TV and everything else, they all have the money. But if a contract goes really, really bad for those other teams, they can kind of withstand it. They can they can go make other moves. You know, Up until this past season, Hugh Darvish hadn't really done much for the Cubs. And remember, the, Brewer, the Brewers were reportedly in on Darvish when the Cubs ended up signing him. And I always thought to myself, 
if Darvish would have performed up until really he he, had, he was better this past year, especially in the second half. Uh, if Darvish had performed with the Brewers the way he had been performing with the Cubs, it's hard to recover from that because of how much money you gave and how much pay the the high percentage of your payroll you're spending on somebody who's not performing. So that's the question that I think David Stearns probably asks himself when he's thinking about a Josh Donaldson. Well, my question for you is, though, Matt, is there that one-year guy that's sitting out there right now that David Stearns is looking at that he can snatch up at, at the third base position? I mean, there's there's guys. I, I don't know if any of them make you feel really, really good. I mean, that's the thing. This is a Brewers team that's going to be trying to replace the bats of Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis. We'll get to catcher in a second uh, because they go get Omar Nevarez, and his bat is pretty solid. But it's it's not Grandall's bad, and then he'll be a little bit different defensively. What about the bat over at third, Barry? I I think the third baseman for the Brewers this upcoming season is currently on another roster, and I think he's going to be acquired via a trade. I think you could be right. I don't think he. I honestly don't think he's on this team. Whether they acquire somebody free agency or via trade, I don't I like you. I don't think he's on this roster right now. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be free agency. I think it's going to be a trade. And I could be wrong on that, but that's the that's the feeling I get. And there's nobody that has told me anything. I'm not talking from any insider standpoint. I just think there's going to I think I think David Stearns has a trade left in him uh, this offseason and I think it comes at the third base spot. We'll see. We can we can revisit this as we get into spring training and see whether or not I was anywhere near correct. All right. Let's hit the last three groups uh, real quick. Catcher uh, Omar Nevarez and Manny Pena. Uh, if they go three catchers, David Freitas is around, Jacob Nottingham is around. There is a, they, they could still sign a veteran catcher if they want to construct a, a three-catcher roster with the 26-man roster as it sits. I guess I'm comfortable. Uh, I'm, a, I'm curious to see what Nevaez is going to turn in from a defensive standpoint. The Brewers are pretty good at improving catchers' defensive ability. From an offensive standpoint, he should be fine. He should be one of the better-hitting catchers in the National League. I'm, this is where I'm comfortably uncomfortable. You know, I I like Manny Pena because he brings that stability. He knows this roster. He has some big moments in him. He's not real consistent with the bat, but he's a great. He's a good defensive catcher. Omar Nevarez. You never know. I bring him in. Yeah, he's got a good bat. He's got a good track record. Defensively, it's going to be interesting to see where he falls in with these pitchers. I like. I said I'm comfortably uncomfortable, just because we have solid backstops, but we don't have that premier backstop like we did in Yasmani Grandel with his offense and and uh, his sense of style I guess but uh, but I'm I'm comfortable with the, with these two guys and you never know maybe somebody will get brought in starting rotation I'm as comfortable as I'm going to be. Like they were never going to go out and sign that top level pitcher. I, I say never. I, I shouldn't have put it that way. They, in all likelihood, were not going to, and still will not. Uh, they've this is how they've done it. They've been a playoff team two years in a row with a rotation very similar to what they have right now. I like Brandon Woodruff. I like Adrian Hauser. I'm very curious what's going to happen with Josh Lindblom. I'm, I'm curious uh, what's going to happen with uh, with Brett Anderson. Is he somebody who has kind of a different uh, way of pitching? And can he stay healthy? What's Eric Lauer going to do? Is is Corbin Burns going to be in the mix? Freddie Peralta going to be in the mix? Uh, what do you do with Brent Suter? It's easy to say you're not comfortable because there's a lot of unproven guys there, and that's a very valid thing. But this is the way the Brewers have used their starting rotation over the last couple of years, and I have no doubt that it's going to continue to kind of function in the same way that it has functioned the last two seasons. Yeah, 
the unfortunate thing is once September call-ups come up, you can't uh, you can't use it like you have been in the past if you're Craig Council. But I'm I'm fairly comfortable with this uh, with with these guys. I'm really interested to see what Josh Lindblom does. You know, David Stearns went out a couple years ago and found a kind of a diamond in the rough in Eric Thames. Everybody's like, who's Eric Thames? What's he going to do? And he came out and he he became a, a, one of the fan favorites. Now, Josh Lindblom, you never know. He could come out and he could be a, a solid starter. You want it, You want innings eaters. You want what? Outgetters. That's, yep. what, yeah, that's what Craig Council wants. I think you pose a great question. What do they do with Corbin Burns? What do they do with Peralta? What do they do with Suter? Suter can just start. You know, but is he a good left-handed, uh, a good left-handed uh, thrower from the bullpen? You know, Freddie Peralta, he did really well out of the bullpen last year. Really well out of the bullpen last year. Didn't quite fare so well as he was a starter. You never know. I'm comfortable with these guys. I do love Brandon Woodruff. Um, he's obviously going to be a top of the line starter. He's going to be the anchor of that uh, of that starting rotation. So, I'm fairly comfortable with these guys. Adrian Hauser, I want to see how he does coming back too. I think he's he's bound for a, for a good year. Last one, the bullpen. I'm not comfortable with the bullpen right now. I don't know what's going to happen with Josh Hader. There's too much uh, smoke right there in terms of them maybe looking for a trade. So I'm not com- – you have Corey Knable coming back off injury. Brent Suter's in the bullpen. I- I'm very comfortable with him. I'm-, I'm comfortable with Alex Claudio. I'm even comfortable if Freddie Peralta's in there as well. I, I like Peralta as a bullpen guy. Admittedly, he's been working as a starter in winter ball and has added a third pitch and is having success. If he's able to do that, maybe he fits better as a starter. I think the bullpen needs work. I do, too. you got Bobby Wall coming in, too, who had, yeah, who's who's coming in off of an injury. But, you know, uh, this whole hater stuff, I would like to see Josh develop that third pitch like Freddie is. You know, Josh has the changeup. He's got the, well, I'm sorry, he's got the slider. He's got the fastball. I'd like to see him develop something else. You know, I think that would make him more marketable. But right now, the question is, is Josh Hader's stock as high as it can get? If it is, and you can get a lot for him, I don't know. Do you do it? But that's it. That's talk for another time. But I, I, you're right. It's uncomfortable. There's so much uncertainty in what's going to be happening with this bullpen. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be the middle reliever? Who's going to be the back end of this bullpen? Who's going to really step up, especially if Josh Hader is gone? Who's going to step up and be that closer? Is there somebody in the minor leagues that could step up and do that? But I, you're right. Can Corey Knable come back off a of Tommy John surgery and be the guy that he was? I don't know. Who knows if he's even going to pitch? You know, the first couple months of the year, it's it's hard to gauge. But you're right. It's an unstable bullpen right now. Whereas the last couple years, the bullpen's been the most stable of all of the pitching staffs, and and could possibly be the most stable group in in the organization. We are late for going deep, so we're going to do that next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Continuing on on a Thursday night, Matt Pauley with you. Let's get to it. It is time for Going Deep. Whether the Brewers are winning or losing, a player is on a hot streak or slumping, there's always a reason why. Here's this week's in-depth look at the current state of the Brewers as we go deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! Alright, so that intro lied to you a little bit because we're not actually going to do a Brewer-centric going deep here. I uh, want to touch on something that happened earlier today. Major League Baseball 
issuing a suspension to New York Yankees pitcher Domingo Armand. It is uh, an 81-game suspension. He is going to get credit for time served, essentially, for missing some of the end of uh, last season and also the postseason. So he's going to end up missing the first 63 games of the 2020 season as part of this 81-game suspension. According to a report from Yahoo Sports, he allegedly slapped his girlfriend, who is the mother of at least one of his children, following a charity gala put on by CC Sabathia last September. There have been some reports out there that a member of the commissioner's office saw this altercation take place. Now, there were no criminal charges brought against Erman, and there is no video, no physical evidence against him either. And the 81-game suspension is the longest suspension that Major League Baseball has levied under the domestic violence policy in absence of formal charges uh, in the legal system. Overall, it is the fourth longest handed down under this policy. Padres pitcher Jose Torres got 100 games in 2018. Phillies outfielder Odubel Herrera got 85 games to finish out last season. And the Braves' Hector Oliveira serving uh, 82 games in 2016. I don't know what it is. First off, I'm going to give credit to Major League Baseball. Uh, they they are issuing fines and suspensions that are notable, that are significant. We can argue whether the, these individuals for doing this should just be thrown out of baseball. And if you believe that, i got no problem with that. I mean, the, the, as far as I'm concerned, hitting a woman is the one of the single worst things that you can do. But... Uh, the the players association is not just probably just gonna sit there and let somebody to just get thrown out of baseball. These are significant fines, significant suspensions. A lot of money is going uh, out the door for these players who do this. So I give Major League Baseball credit. And like I'm not I'm not a fan of Rob Manford. I take any opportunity I have to take shots at Rob Manford because I don't like him as a commissioner. I don't like a lot of the things that he's done. But from the moment uh, he put this domestic violence policy in place, uh, I like what uh, what they've been able to do with this. The fact that there is no appeal on this is notable because, again, there is no video evidence, no no photos, no anything, and Domingo Herman is just going to take the suspension. So that tells you, A, it was really bad, and B, somebody did see it, and that's where it's going to, uh, going to end. Addison Russell, obviously, last year, and, and what happened there, and he got a 40-game suspension. This has to get out of the game of baseball. This just has to get out of the game of baseball. I think Major League Baseball is doing everything that they can, but this is a problem. I think it's a problem more in baseball than any other sport. We've seen it, in, it pop up in football. We've seen it pop up in, in, in even in hockey. Uh, not as much in basketball, it seems, but baseball has to do something about this. And a lot of these players are international players. That shouldn't matter uh, if it's education, whatever it might be. Major League Baseball has to do a better job of finding a way to uh, get this out of the game or making it much, much, much more rare. When we're talking about uh, a couple, two, three suspensions per year on this, that's not good. That's a really, really bad look. And clearly this is one of those things that can happen behind closed doors and never get reported. So if just a couple things are coming out, that means maybe it's happening a little bit more, a lot more maybe than we could even imagine. That is this week's edition of Going Deep. We'll continue on with the program in just a moment. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ.
More Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Starting to put the final touches on this edition of the program. If you want to get in here before we're done, you can call or text into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. A couple, we did the uh, comfortable, not comfortable earlier. A couple uh, listener comments on that. Uh, Tom tweeting in saying that uh, he's not comfortable with uh, third base and starting pitching and also wants one more relief pitching. Uh, Comfortable with outfield, second base, Shortstop first base. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pete tweeting in, need a third baseman and another starting pitcher. So that seems to be uh, some of the things. I don't. I would be surprised. I th- for them to go bring in another starting pitcher, I think something would essentially have to kind of fall into their lap. Uh, and I think they're very comfortable right now with where they're at from a starting pitching standpoint. A question on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, Mark in River West, says, what's your opinion on what's up with the crew? Whenever a player's contract is up, there's no interest in re-signing them, or what's the purpose of a rebuilding situation, again, for the team? So, Mark, I... I can't kind of ask you a follow-up question on this, so I'm going to try to make some assumptions about your question. I think you're making reference to all the players who are arbitration eligible who the Brewers uh, non-tendered and moved on from. And for me, it's it's a really simple sort of deal. When you When you tender a player, meaning you are going to either come to terms on a contract or go to arbitration, you sort of know the amount of money that you're going to have to pay that player. And one of David Stern's greatest strengths as a general manager is, I think, his discipline when it comes to placing a value upon a player and sticking to that value and not being pushed out of a comfort zone. That doesn't mean he never goes a little bit up. uh, The Lorenzo Cain deal, I bet... What they spent for Lorenzo Cain a couple years ago was probably a little bit more than where they were at in terms of the comfort zone. So it's not it's not a hard brick wall that he's not willing to walk through. But I do think there is some, some very strong discipline in that. And Alex Claudio is a great example of that. They didn't think they they didn't want to spend the money on Claudio that it would have been to keep him in the fold had they gone to arbitration with him. So they non tender him. Whatever happened with Alex Claudio, maybe there's not a lot of interest, whatever it might be, they eventually come back around and come together on a deal that they're comfortable with. Same thing with Eric Thames. They weren't comfortable with the money that they were going to spend on him if they pick up the option, and now they're going to get very similar production from somebody that they're paying about a million and a half dollars less. So it's a it's a it's a comfort level sort of thing and a and a financial plan on this guy is worth X amount of dollars and we're going to be in that neighborhood. I don't think it's a case of them not wanting to bring players back. I think it's them wanting to bring players back at a certain number. That's it for this edition of Brewers Weekly. Thanks for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again real soon here on WTMJ. You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.